You're listening to The Block Experience, all things decentralized and open source. Enjoy. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt the podcast here. I just want to say this episode of The Block Experience is brought to you by our first sponsor, Prime XBT. Whether you're looking to trade some of your favorite cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin, or even venture into other markets, Prime XBT always has you covered. Prime XBT offers traders access to a large variety of markets including cryptocurrencies, stock indices, commodities and even Forex pairs. And also have some incredible features such as anonymous accounting, Bitcoin deposits and withdrawals, industry leading security and even the ability to offer 1000 times leverage. I've personally been using PrimeXPT for my trading uh, for the past few months and have had a great experience using the platform, uh, also using the platform's customer service. So I'm really proud that they're supporting this episode of the podcast, uh, bringing you guys a free podcast every week. A link to the services PrimeXPT provide will be below, also a link to sign up to a new account. Uh, so thanks again, PrimeXPT, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Um, and yeah, I hope you continue and like the podcast. Enjoy. Okay, Chris, firstly, I just want to say a massive thank you for taking the time out of your day, um, obviously, to come and have a chat with me. Um, and yeah, I just want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, obviously, right now you're spreading the message of decentralized finance, which is amazing. Um, but starting off, why don't we jump into a little bit about you and how you first found yourself um, getting into the crypto space? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, man. Um, I got into it, well, really first in, in about 2014, um, I started to buy a little bit of Bitcoin because, uh, I was planning a six month backpacking trip in Southeast Asia. And I heard that a lot of guest houses and and places over there for backpackers, uh, took Bitcoin. So I figured, oh, it might, might be a good idea to have some on hand. So that was the first time I really interacted with it, but I didn't really understand it yet. You know, I think, um. I just bought it like as a way to pay for stuff, but didn't really think it through as, you know, why is this money? What is, what is this? You know, I just knew it was kind of like this internet money. And then um, fast forward a little bit after that to around 20, early 2017. And actually the moment it really struck me was because I, I, hadn't really touched it after that for a couple of years and then uh it really struck me in 2017 i came across there's this uh there's this learning platform called the great courses i don't know if you've heard of it before uh it's a they basically it's a streaming service for um college lectures and stuff like that and they had a lecture on there uh, i forget the name of it but it was about basically the history of money and they went over like all the, the history of money from the beginning with you know rocks and seashells and tulips and all that stuff and they never got to bitcoin in the video but once they got up to like present day and the turn you know leaving the gold standard and turning to fiat and all that stuff that's when all of a sudden i stood up and i was like oh that's what bitcoin's all like it suddenly just clicked in my head you know and so that's where i really sort of fell down the rabbit hole and i it was really the impetus for me was really uh financial liberty like that's where i come from like historically i have a i mean i've always been sort of libertarian minded and uh looking for ways to to remove government from the equation every chance i get and uh 
I saw Bitcoin initially as a way to uh, to do that, right? So that was my impetus. And then just I'll, I'll fast forward to you know past um, all that to was, was that Bitcoin? Sorry, back then. Oh yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had again like I bought some Ethereum when it was like eight dollars without even knowing what it was. I just saw oh there used to be just Bitcoin on Coinbase. Now there's Ethereum. Maybe I should just buy some of that. Um, not enough to get rich, but. Uh, you know, and then just saw the, the price go up. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? You know, and, and before I had that aha moment, it was just about like price go up, right? It's like, oh, that's cool. Price went up. I have no idea why. I have no idea why this is valuable. I think a lot of people start that way, right? It's like until you have that moment where it clicks in your head and you're like, oh, now I understand that I never really understood what money actually is. You know, once you have that moment, then everything changes and all your motivations begin to to change. Definitely. So, um, so no, so really, just mainly Bitcoin. Um, understanding the like fundamentals, pretty much of like a decentralized finance, cutting out the middlemen, and just making sure that your money is your money, really, and that um, minimizing like how much the banks control. So, really, that's how you started into uh, decentralized finance, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's what what that's what lured me in initially was the idea of having a a form of money that didn't need any government to dictate how it works or what the supply is or anything like that and just a knowledge a general knowledge of how governments use money to control population you know and then through central banks and through other means that's exactly what they do you know they control how much money we have. They control the supply. They control what what a gallon of milk costs. They control our salary. They control how much our money um, decreases in value each year. You know, so all these things are controlled by men and women who we don't always elect. You know, and just once you have that knowledge and you start to see, wow, you know, when you have something like Bitcoin and, you know, other cryptocurrencies now, uh, but when, once you have that, and you, ha- and you have these beliefs, then why would you not run down that road and try to make it a success, right? Yeah. So that's how I started into it, for sure. Interesting, really interesting. And what what is your opinion on Bitcoin now? Just out of the blue, first, first half, what's, what's, what do you think of when you think of Bitcoin? I think of the hardest form of decentralized money that we currently have. You know, that's what I think initially. I mean, I think that the the mission has changed over the years. Um, you know, in in when I was still learning, I was really closely following um, Andreas Antonopoulos, and you know, wonderful speaker, great guy. Um, but one of his big messages constantly was banking the unbanked, bank the unbanked, and that was something that really appealed to me because. We th- we have it pretty good here in the states, and you wherever you are, you probably have it pretty good too. Course, yeah. But there's plenty of people in the world that don't, you know. So so being able to create something like Bitcoin that works great for us, but can also have applications in countries that have failing governments, failing currencies, was amazing. That has sort of drifted away, right? As as the um, you know mechanics have have sort of led us into this store of value world so the idea of 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 banking services of 
banking the unbanked, of giving tools, financial tools to people who actually really need them uh, has has sort of fallen by the wayside with Bitcoin. And it's given way to uh, really just serving as a store of value for people who already have money and just want to preserve their wealth. Right. So that's why, you know, doors opened up for other technologies to come in and to start to fill the gaps that Bitcoin left, which is fine. That's the way technology works. That's the way innovation is supposed to work. And when you're talking about Bitcoin do you, uh, and it's like decentralized core, have you seen or do you think there's any hope for anything on any blockchains which you're excited about? Um, for example, I saw you talking about uh, TBTC, which is like a wrapped Bitcoin on the Ethereum network, right? I'm not too familiar yeah. with it myself, but do you want to just talk a little bit about that? Because I thought I thought it was pretty interesting myself. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm still learning about it too, and I don't want to be a spokesperson yeah, for yeah. it, but or suggest it or recommend it at this point because it's still it's not even released yet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, well, for context, like I said in the beginning, I think regardless of your opinion on the motivations of you know Bitcoin developers or uh, Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is still the the leader in the space, you know, as far as market cap, as far as volume, as far as the level of decentralization it's achieved. It was the first mover. Yeah, it, you cannot deny the fact that it is number one. Yeah. And now with th- there's technologies that are coming out that will. Well, let me back up one step. So historically, if you wanted to take Bitcoin and use it on Ethereum, let's say, and in decentralized finance services, you had to swap your Bitcoin for Ether, right? You just had to do a swap and you had to go to an exchange typically to do that. So a centralized exchange like Binance or Coinbase or one of those. So now, so level two of that was something called wrapped BTC, which already exists on Ethereum, which is a custodial solution. So there's a you know there's a company called BitGo that's a custodian of Bitcoin and for every one Bitcoin that they hold they issue one wrapped Bitcoin token, right? So it's basically like a bank of Bitcoin and you get an IOU token and you can take that and you can trade it around Ethereum you can use it in DeFi services you can earn interest on it you know you can do all the things in DeFi that uh, you can with any other token. So now with uh, projects like TBTC, also with uh, REN, RENVM is another one, uh, REN project, we're now seeing ways developed to trustlessly, and trustless is a spectrum, right? It's not an absolute, it's not a binary. So when I say trustlessly, it's not 100% trustless, but really very, very few elements of crypto are. But with that disclaimer out of the way, you'll be able to trustlessly move Bitcoin from on-chain, on-chain Bitcoin into Ethereum and receive a token that represents actual Bitcoin that is either locked on-chain with Bitcoin or held in a trustless uh, manner until the tokens are redeemed back for the actual Bitcoin. So, you know, there's there's a a ton of opinions on these things, but... The, the whole idea is you have a token and it's actually redeemable for actual Bitcoin without a company getting in the middle or without an exchange being in the process. So where does that, sorry, I'm pretty new to this. So where does the swap from 
Bitcoin to wrap Bitcoin take place? So wrap Bitcoin is that one that I told you where um, BitGo, yeah. BitGo is a custodial company. To them and they would just wrap it and you could just use it on the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah, that's the general idea of that, even though, you know, individuals really can't do it. It's for, you know, larger quantities that come from people that or companies that have more to swap. Um, but anybody can trade for it. anybody can go to Uniswap and swap ETH for wrapped Bitcoin, right? So if you just want price exposure, that's it's a good way to do it. But if you actually are a Bitcoin user and you value decentralization and you value all the properties of Bitcoin that we talked about earlier, then you don't want your Bitcoin to be sitting in a desk drawer at BitGo, right? You want trustless on-chain or, or some way that satisfies you personally that nobody's going to be able to get your Bitcoin, nobody's going to be able to seize your Bitcoin. When you want to redeem the token, it's still going to be actual Bitcoin sitting there waiting for you. So that's that's the next level that hasn't been um, fully realized yet, but it's I think in the next few weeks or months, we're going to start seeing these protocols. Yeah, I think, you, I think, I think you're right on that. Um, so just backing up a little bit, uh, what makes you so passionate? Obviously, you've mentioned a little bit um, about being decentralized, not having a middleman. Um, but I've seen a lot of your content is obviously f- mainly focused on decentralized finance. Do you, also, do you also have other interests in other crypto projects or is it you mainly focused on decentralized finance, for example? Well, yeah, I mean, right now, I think this is this is the most important thing that's going on in crypto. Well, I think DeFi. Few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole idea, you know, we always knew we could build on Ethereum. The whole idea of Ethereum was like sort of like a programmable Bitcoin, right? It's like, you know, you can take Bitcoin and build an app layer on top of it and create this trustless decentralized app layer. And for a long time, people were trying to figure out what to do with it, right? So we started seeing, you know, first ICOs and all that stuff. And, you know, just like people were trying to figure out what do we do with this awesome tech? And then eventually we started to see these protocols that started to replicate banking services in a way, right? So you can lend your crypto, earn interest, not like mind-breaking concepts because we already we already do them every day, right? You have a savings account, you're earning interest. But the whole idea is using all the best parts of Ethereum to create a trustless and decentralized way to do it so i think out of everything that's going on right now and all you know between all the activity and all of the uh the value i mean it's over eight i think it was 800 million locked in DeFi right now i mean it's going to be a billion in no time you know as far as eth locked in in uh in DeFi. so that alone says okay wow we're there's something big happening here you know so my focus has been full-time trying to help do whatever I can to help to take it to the next level. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure that um, locked in DeFi number was probably less than a hundred million, I don't know, a year ago. So we've just seen oh, yeah. parabolic yeah. growth recently. And I think a lot of people are starting to get excited about the options and like where this can take us in the next few years. Yep. 2019 was huge and 2020 is, uh, is going to be big too. I mean, there's still, a lot of work to be done and a lot of um you know it's it's there's arguments that could be made that it's not really decentralized yet 
but um, you know, I, I consider us to be at a critical point where we need to um, sort of make sure that we're on the right track, make sure that we're doing the right things, and and uh, be ready and resilient for what's to come. Which, when you're battling banks, uh, what's to come is probably going to be um, deadly, deadly attacks. <laughs> so, you know, resilience is going to be everything over the next five years. And hopefully, luckily, we've got um, ETH two on the horizon, obviously, to combat some of that. So that will be big. But I don't really yeah. want to go into it unless you you want to go into it. But um, yeah, I think ETH two is going to be pretty exciting. What's your, what's your opinion on ETH two? Do you think the risk to reward is there? Because um, I know the developers have been saying recently that they're pushing things back. Maybe people who are not aware about development. I personally would develop a developer full time myself, so I understand mm-hmm. these things take time. Um, it can't just be rushed to hit a deadline. That which that deadline means nothing anyway. It's just a date on a piece of paper. Um, yeah, if it gets pushed right. back a year, two years, it doesn't matter as long as it's being worked on. And at the end result is pretty much going to be a, a, a blockchain which is uncompetable by anyone else. Yeah, I mean that's my understanding of it, and I'm also not. I'm not a developer. So I come at this from the point of view of, um, you know, I, I spend all day focusing on on a lot of these issues, and ETH two is still to me a pretty nebulous concept. You know, it seems to keep changing. Um, f- what I understand about it is it's it's going to bring us a lot of things that are going to take this to the next level. There's a lot of varying opinions on the whole proof of stake concept that. Um, I don't think anybody really knows the answer to yet. So I, I do think that it's a, it, the way I look at it is it's a calculated risk. I think that there's risk involved, but I think that the, the like you said, the reward is is uh, intended to far outweigh any risks. I just think, like you said, again, we're still, you know, probably a year or two away from seeing even the first bits of this start to roll out. I don't know for sure. Um, so, but but I think between now and then, we're either going to see DeFi blast off or or not. I think that this year is going to be the critical juncture. So I think before we even think about how ETH two is going to affect DeFi, I think we need to really solve some existential issues with DeFi mm. um, and withstand again, like you know massive amounts of criticism about levels of decentralization and trustlessness that right now are not where they need to be. And I think 2020 has to be the year to achieve, achieve those levels to, you know, if for, if for nothing else to satisfy um, onslaughts from people who people like me who came into this space for the decentralized and trustless aspects and do not want to trust uh, other people's decisions uh, for the security of their money. Yeah, and I think obviously you yourself, you're not afraid to call out projects or sort of things which are a little bit on the sideline of edgy or a bit grey scaled area. You're not afraid to call them out. You're just here to promote real decentralized finance and not some like bullshit scheme or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, it's interesting because, <clears throat> you know, Ethereum has had a reputation of being a pretty tight knit community and being be, not having a hugely diverse set of opinions, you know, when it comes to the roadmap, when it comes to the uh, the progress of of the largest projects on the chain and stuff like that, and 
now we're starting to see, you know, DeFi is starting to attract people like me. I put myself in this category, people who value decentralization, trustlessness, and the resilience of those, of those um, ideas uh, when it comes to the protocols, the resilience of it, we put that over the idea that we all need to sort of fall into line or follow the leader, you know, and I think that the, the whole idea, you know, and, and obviously Ethereum with the DAO hack and the stuff that happened after that got a reputation of having, you know, a few people making a lot of big decisions. And the, one of the best things that DeFi is doing for Ethereum right now is it's starting to decentralize the thought. It's starting to decentralize the ideas, you know, and I think that we're, we're really starting to see that. And there's a lot of people who are involved already with DeFi who would rather see a trust, a truly trustless and decentralized financial ecosystem. Um, they would rather see this thing fall apart than, than not have that happen. You know, and I think that there's even people who are running some of the largest financial protocols on Ethereum right now that that share that idea. You know, they want to get to the point of real decentralization, real trustlessness, and and almost step out of the picture as a company. And um, it's sort of it's it's changing the the vibe, you know, a little bit as far as you know, this is no longer just a like little tech project with a bunch of developers and you know dancing unicorns and rainbows. You know, this is now becoming a real decentralization project with real um, with real with a real mission, you know, a real mission of financial liberty and and um, basically taking middlemen out of every financial equation. So that's where we're heading with it. Um, so on the back end of that, what do you think are going to be some of the main key, um, let's say, products when it comes to decentralized finance? Because there's so many things. Um, like I had uh, the owner of Axie Infinity. It's like a really popular game on Ethereum. Um, mm -hmm. Come on last week and he was talking about how game tokens are a part of decentralized finance, of course, because you can buy and sell and obviously build your own um, financial uh, marketplace on top of Ethereum. So there's so many different ways it could go. Like gaming's already huge. Um, we've also got like staking and other like reward-based stuff. What, what What's your opinion on that? What products do you think are going to really um, explode over the next two, three years, four years? Yeah. I can't, I can't predict that far. I mean, so I, I never pretend to know what's, I mean, yeah. So I, I never pretend to know what's coming because I just, I don't think any of us can, but I think um, there, there are projects right now that are, that are, in my opinion, underrated as far as the impact that they could have. And for instance, one of them, so, so like I said before, the, the, the whole idea of earning interest on your tokens and, you know, borrowing, lending, um, all that stuff, we're rep, we've been replicating what we know. Yep. We've been replicating banks, you know, um, even staking to a certain extent has that idea of um, some level of like, oh, no shocker there. You know, it's like we, we can obviously do that. But then you get into the idea of, for instance, Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol that recently released um, the, a functionality called flash loans. And the whole idea of a flash loan 
is that so with Ave regularly you could deposit your crypto, borrow other crypto. You have to get off platform for decentralized finance on Ethereum, if that's correct. Um, one of them, Ave is huge. Compound is huge. There's a few that do similar stuff, right? But the idea with the flash loan is that you can borrow and repay the loan in one Ethereum transaction with no collateral. So you don't have to have any collateral. In one transaction, you could, for instance, borrow 10,000 DAI. At the end of the transaction, you're repaying that 10,000 DAI plus a small fee. But in the middle of that transaction, you can do anything you want with that money. So you could run some crazy arbitrage system where you could use that 10,000 to buy this token here, sell it here, profit you know, 3%, and then repay the 10,000 DAI back to Ave, right? Plus, like I said, that fee. So when you start to just think about the possibilities with, with systems like that, you start to realize the power that they're giving to developers to now get creative. And we have ETH Denver coming up and other hackathons coming. I mean, I, I fully expect we're going to come out of this next round of hackathons with ideas building on top of these little, like little nuggets of technology that are going to just blow us away. Right. So it's less about what the, the individual protocols are doing and more about the combination of these sort of innovative ideas that get lobbed out into the ecosystem. Plus, this amazing ecosystem of developers who just sit there and grind away and come up with like, oh, we could do this, this, and this. You know, DAI is another great example of that. And, and CDAI, Compound DAI, the way that that's been utilized, um, ideas that have come up, you know, it just starts to break your mind as far as, you know, you know our DAI, for instance, is one that's, to, you know, this experimental idea where you can deposit your DAI into this into this smart contract and then it splits away your interest and you could have it funneled off to anywhere else like if you want to donate your interest to somebody or somebody's using it to um, fund like planting trees or something like that mm -hmm. so um, all these ideas start to sort of make you think in ways you weren't thinking before and it just takes one of those to spin off into another product and then it, all of a sudden a year from now we could have a product that's built off one of these these uh, functionalities that some developers came up with that we were never even imagining um, right now, you know? So I think that that's one that, that uh, is super underrated as far as the impact it could have over the next year. Um, so one final thing I wanted to have a little chat about today was how do we onboard new users into decentralized finance? Of course, education, it takes a huge part of this uh, obviously, you're doing your part on YouTube and on Twitter. Um, but what really is going to give us that par parabolic move um, to bring in new users? Is it banks uh, failing to do something and then people thinking, oh, maybe there's other options out there? Or I don't know. What, what's your opinion on that? I, I really believe that the biggest friction that we have right now is is government in the form of the inability to really have effective fiat on-ramps, you know? So to get money from your bank account into a DeFi protocol, you have to go through a bunch of hoops and they involve centralized exchanges, at least as far as the U S and most, most, most countries that um, have exchanges 
have these issues, right? So the friction that's created and the the lack of central the lack of trustlessness in that process that's that's probably our biggest problem you know and we're starting to tackle it like there's a company called wire that is providing you know new services that are that are helping to to get money into the ecosystem um but but that's probably our biggest hurdle so i i think that once if i mean i'm not super optimistic but if we can ever um start to get around or get some of these laws changed as far as the friction that's required just to, to come in, that would open up a world of, of new pathways for developers to explore, you know, as far as interesting and innovative ways. You know, one project that, that I really sort of captured my um, imagination over the past couple of days uh, that's not an Ethereum project is called Strike on Bitcoin. And the whole idea is built on Lightning Network. The whole idea is you download an app on your on your iPhone or Android. <clears throat> you you connect the app to your bank account. And I'm not sure what they're using to do that, but let's just say like it's Plaid or something like that, where you can connect it to your checking account. You want to pay somebody on Lightning Network, so you scan the QR code. Let's say you want to buy something, and they put the QR code up with the amount. You scan it, and it pulls the money out of your bank account and pays the lightning invoice. So in the background, it's doing a conversion. And this is not DeFi, so I don't want to give the impression that it is, but it's doing all that conversion in the background. You know, So the whole, I mean, if you walk into a coffee shop, you want to pay for your coffee, they throw the QR code up, you scan it. You don't have to have a Bitcoin address. You don't have to have a lightning node. You don't have to have anything. It's all happening in the background. Now, there's people that are saying, why is he talking about that? That's not decentralized. It's a bunch of, a bunch of nonsense. It's inspiring. You know? And there's ideas that are happening with usability that we can take. And we don't have to adopt them directly, but we can look at it and be like, you know what? This is possible. Nobody thought that would be possible with Bitcoin a few years ago. And now, look, we're figuring it out. So we, we, one of the things that I rant about a lot is, is maximalism of any kind. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think ETH maximalism exists, Bitcoin maximalism exists. You know, there's all sorts of maximalisms that exist, but they prevent you from considering great ideas. Yeah. I I really don't like it. It It sort of turns into some type of religion type thing there. We've got two sides fighting. This side hates that side. And we should all be really fighting for decentralization at the end of the day. So it doesn't really matter what side you're on. That's right. And so when we do reach that point when we have mass adoption of DeFi, um, these are not going to be maximalists. They might not even know they're using Ethereum. You know, it's like they're just going to be here for, you know, just like somebody who's using Strike doesn't even really maybe know they're using Bitcoin. Yeah, they just go into a you know, cafe and they say, can I pay with the QR code? And they just pay. And that's it. Exactly. And that's where we need to get to. So we need to keep evolving and we need to keep on. We need to get to the point where it's frictionless movement between fiat and DeFi. We have to figure out a way to get there. It might involve visits to Washington to talk to regulators and explain to them why it's a good idea. You know, and, and that's something that, that I enjoy too is going to washington and sort of sitting in on 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 uh, some of these conferences with regulators and, and knowing where their heads are at because i think that it's going to be super important over the next few years to educate and inform everybody so i do think that big movements are coming um, and just one other thing on that topic is i i think before we chase like there's a lot of people who want to chase new users right now and sort of like do 
advertising or marketing to bring new people into the space. I just, I don't think we're ready. I think we're still basically an alpha, you know, as far as the technology, as far as the trust issues that are still present. Um, and I think we have a lot of work to do before we really should be looking for millions and millions of people to be jumping into this. Yeah, I completely agree. Maybe maybe even getting ETH2 ironed out completely first. We've got that scalability behind us. Right. But yeah, um, thanks for coming on and having a chat. I'm sorry it was so short. Um, hopefully we can follow up with a part two, maybe, in a, in a few months. Um, sure. But of course, yeah, I'll, thanks I'll, for I'll, having you, me. Obviously, you've got your YouTube channel. I'll put a link to that below and your Twitter, uh, because I know you talk about some amazing decentralized finance content over on your YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, I'll put that below so anyone can go check it out. Um, but yeah, if you want to give yourself a shout out or where people can find more information about uh, you or decentralization, um, feel free to share that. Cool, yeah. YouTube.com slash Chris Bleck, C-H-R-I-S-B-L-E-C. And Twitter.com slash Chris Bleck. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Cactus. Good stuff.